What's up, coaches? Welcome to Keep Your Pads Down, your home for all things defensive line play. So glad you're checking us out today. I hope that all of you guys had a great Father's Day and got to spend some time with your family, maybe play some golf or spend some time around the grill. Whatever you're doing, hope you had a great day. But just a big-time salute to all of you dads out there. And, and, and may we all remember the importance of our jobs as fathers. And I know that sometimes you know, sometimes Father's Day gets overlooked or, or it, there's a negative connotation surrounding it because uh, of our relationships with our fathers. Maybe they aren't great or maybe they're even just non-existent. And, you know, and I understand that, but you know, many coaches I interview on this podcast, today's guest included, uh, list their dads as one of their greatest influences. And, and I don't think there is any arguing with the notion that the role of a father is extremely important to the family structure and just our society as a whole. And, and those of us who are fathers have to take that role seriously. Uh, and before we get to today's guest, I do want to shout out my dad who was one of my biggest fans and a dedicated listener of this podcast. Growing up, you know, first of all, a lot of you guys can probably relate. You know, growing up, I always felt like I had the the most strict and at times, especially when I was a teenager, uncool dad. You know, but uh, it, now I'm proud to say, you know, I consider my dad a close friend and someone I rely heavily upon for advice and wisdom, uh, someone I look to as an example. And, and, and now, as you know, I have a family of my own and raise my own kids. Uh, that's definitely something that I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for. But one of the things that brought up in our episode today is the fact that, that it's important, especially for those of us who are, are both coaches and dads, you know, it's important to remember that when it comes to our own kids, they really need us to be their dads first. You know, not their coach, not their critic, not their friend or buddy, not their jailer, but just their their dad and all the structure and support and love that that that, that role entails. And I thought that I'd share a story from my childhood as sort of a tribute to my dad of a time when he was just simply my dad when, when I when I really needed it when I was a young kid. And this is kind of a this is kind of a silly story, at least the circumstances surrounding it. But as a 13 year old kid, it was a really big deal for me. So uh, here, here's the story. So when I was uh, I was in seventh grade, and the way that they did football at, at my middle school, at least in seventh grade, is they took all the seventh grade boys and they divided us up into teams and I think we had I think we had four teams um, and, and that we all had professional football team names you know so we all you know we're all at the same school playing against each other they drafted us and tried to separate us out as as equally as they could so uh, my team we were we were the Raiders okay and uh, I was the quarterback and and not necessarily because I was the best prospect at quarterback, but I think it was just because I knew what to do and knew where to line up and knew the plays and things like that. So I was the quarterback. So uh, we're playing a game and we're, we're, we're driving down to go and, and I think it was to go win the game. Okay, and and we're we're, we're, our, we're we we have the ball. We're on offense, and so I, you know I'm, I'm playing quarterback, and uh, we're under center, of course. And I, I take the snap. I remember the play was called. It was it was uh, I think it was 36 dive, which was just a dive to our fullback. Okay, I reversed out, and to this day, I'm not going to throw our fullback under the bus. I think he went the wrong way. Okay, but you know, there's there's also been reports that maybe I did something wrong there. But it, here's the deal: I fumbled the ball. Okay, I reversed out, fumbled the ball, and ball's on the ground. Other team recovers it, and 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 we, you know, we, that seals our fate. We lose the game. Well, okay, you know, not a real big deal, right? You know, seventh grade football game. Who cares? For me, as a 13 year old kid, I was crushed because I felt like it was my fault. And so I remember, 
uh, you know, go into the locker room, get dressed and change and everything, come back out. My dad's giving me a ride home. And we're in the truck. We're driving home, and, and no one's saying anything. And my dad always did a good job. You know, he wasn't going to lecture me or anything like that. And so I'm staring out the window and and just, just really mad, pissed off uh, because of the way the game ended. And I'm staring out the window as we're driving home. And my dad says, I want to tell you something. And I'm like, oh, no, here we go. And he said, I'm so proud of you and proud of the way you played. And, man, as soon as he said that, I just lost it. I started crying, you know, just, just right there in his truck and really didn't say much after that. And he didn't really say much after that. Uh, but it was such a big relief for me to know that, that my dad still loved me. He was still proud of me, even though I felt like in my mind, you know, I'd made this huge mistake and let my team down. I thought, you know, maybe I let my family down and all these things. And, and so at that moment, I, it, it confirmed in, in my mind that, you know, my dad's love for me wasn't contingent upon how I performed. You know, it was unconditional. And again, that's a, that's a sort of silly example, but that's an example of at, at a time when I needed my dad to be my dad and not my critic and not point out, hey, dude, what were you thinking? Uh, I, I needed him to be my dad, and he was, and that was a big moment. So shout out to my dad. Uh, again, he listens to the podcast every week, and, and uh, so shout out to him and all you dads out there. Uh, thank you for, for, for all that you do and your influence uh, on kids and on, on not just your own kids, but the kids that you coach every day. All right, so let's get to uh, let's get to today's guest. I'm really excited to be talking with Coach Ernie Lawson. If you if you're a defensive line coach and you're on Twitter, you, you've probably seen uh, Coach Lawson. He's been doing a lot of great stuff lately, and he's just he just rolled out his new website, Get to the QB, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. But but first, let me tell you a little bit about uh, who Coach Lawson is. Coach Lawson grew up in Vallejo, California, and, and attended St. Patrick St. Vincent High School before receiving a scholarship to play defensive line at San Diego State. While playing for the Aztecs, Coach Lawson was named Most Inspirational Player in 2008 and then a team captain in 2010 as a senior and helped the Aztecs to a win over the Navy Midshipmen in the 2010 Poinsettia Bowl. Coach Lawson began his coaching career at Santa Fe Christian High School in California and then from there left to become a defensive graduate assistant under Coach Brady Hoke at Michigan from 2012 to 2014. During his time at Michigan, uh, the Wolverines made consecutive bowl appearances in the Outback Bowl and the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. Uh, and I think one of those, and I can't believe I didn't ask him about that, but one of those, I'm pretty sure, I think it was the, was it the Outback Bowl in 2012 where, where they, played, they were playing South Carolina and, and Jadavian Clowney. Absolutely unloaded on that running back. I'm pretty sure that's that game, and I can't believe that I didn't ask him about that. But anyway, uh, after that, after his time at Michigan was wrapped up, Coach Lawson left to become the head coach at American Canyon High School in his hometown of Vallejo, California, for one season before heading to Texas to coach at Northside High School in Fort Worth. In 2016, Coach moved back to San Diego to become the defensive line coach at his alma mater, San Diego State, where he coached from 2016 to 2018, helping the Aztecs to three consecutive bowl games. In 2019, Coach Lawson moved back to Texas and spent last season as an assistant at Southwest High School there in Fort Worth. Now, Coach Lawson is stepping away from full-time coaching to pursue a career in finance, but has recently created the website Get to the QB, which I mentioned earlier, which is a place where you can find in-depth articles on things like New England's third-down defense, an analysis of the Minnesota Vikings pass rush, recruiting service for your players, and, and, and a whole lot more. Uh, no doubt my favorite part of Coach's website is his blog. I've already found some things on there that I, that I would love to be able to incorporate in our game plan this year. 
you know, Coach's mission with his website runs parallel with ours here, which is providing outstanding resources for defensive line coaches and defensive linemen, and, and he's doing a great job of that. Today, Coach Lawson and I talk about his journey through the game of football, and we get into his website, discuss how he breaks down an offensive line's pass protection and his philosophy on pass rush. And then we take a pretty hard pivot, and and we uh, we get into race and a coach's role and putting an end to racism and prejudice within our sphere of influence. And, you know, I ask him point blank, what can I do as a white football coach to help be a part of the solution. So, um, you know, it was a it it was not an easy conversation to have the, the the second half of our conversation with Coach Lawson today. But, you know, in the in the pre-interviews and in our discussions leading up to our interview today, we kind of felt like that was something we needed to address and we wanted to address and we wanted to you know to be able to have that that uncomfortable conversation. So I'm I'm so glad that that Coach was willing to do that and 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 be really uh, open and honest with me. And so I think we have a lot of great stuff. Stuff lined up today, so let's go ahead and jump into it. Here is episode number 65 with Coach Ernie Lawson on KYPD. Well, Coach Lawson, glad we can make this happen. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, man, appreciate you having me, Coach, man. Thank you. Well, Coach, let's let's uh, let's start this thing off with talking a little bit about your background. You got a great story, an interesting uh, journey through the game of football. So let's start there. Talk to us a little bit about your journey through the game of football up to this point. Yeah, man. So uh, you know, I, I got started. You know, I've, I've been playing football ever since I was eight years old, and uh, you know, I played high school football. And um, the, my hometown where I grew up in Vallejo at a Catholic school called St. Patrick's St. Vincent High School, you know, and, and Coach, to be honest, man, you know, that whole experience there, you know, changed my life and is it, really, um, you know, kind of the reason I'm in coaching uh, because my head coach uh, there, Marlon Blanton, um, you know, with the way he ran our program and all that stuff, um, you know, had a tremendous, you know, tremendous impact on me as a person. And God, I don't know where I'd be without being in that program. Yeah. So I uh, played high school there. Uh, was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to play football at San Diego State uh, between 2006 2010 as a defensive lineman. Uh, you know, under Chuck Long and, and then later Brady Hope. Uh, you know, again, playing for Coach Hope was a was a great experience. Um, you know, immediately from there, uh, went into coaching high school at a, at a little Christian school uh, called Santa Fe Christian in San Diego, uh, which was again just a, a great experience. Um, you know, I probably should have been fired about four times my <laughs> <laughs> first year there. Um, you know, but uh, our head guy, uh, Coach Rosetta, was, was so awesome. He gave me a ton of grace. And uh, from there, went on to be a, a graduate assistant coach at the University of Michigan under Coach Oak between 2012 and 2014. Um, you know, did that, uh, got out of that in 2014, and went to go be the head coach at uh, American Canyon High School uh, in my city of Vallejo. Uh, did that for about seven months. Uh, realized we were really poor, and so <laughs> I needed to do something else. And so uh, we ended up moving. Me and my wife, uh, we moved to Texas uh, to, to teach and coach. And so uh, we moved out to Fort Worth area, which we're currently at now. 
in 2015. Um, he coached out of high school, was a defensive line coach at uh, Northside High School. Um, and then did that for about seven months. And then I got the call to be the defensive line coach uh, back at my alma mater at San Diego State uh, from 2016 to, to 2018, uh, again, which was a great experience. Um, learned a lot. Uh, man, it was it was a you know it was, it was a great experience. Uh, that came to an end in uh, January of 2019. Uh, got let go, and then we decided to move back here uh, to Fort Worth area, to where I coached at Southwest High School this past year. Um, and so that's kind of been the arc career wise. Done a lot of moving, man. Moved nine times the last nine years. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, talk with my wife about it, but uh, you know, it's been a it's been a heck of an experience, man. It's uh, I, I've, I've been truly thankful for it. So I, I, you know, there's a lot of coaches listening to this who are shaking their head at the nine time thing and nine years and all that stuff that <laughs> you know live that gypsy life yeah. uh, that that sometimes can happen with coaches um, along the way. You know, you talked about already some of your coaches, especially in high school, who had a big influence on you. Who are some other coaches who really shaped you and molded you and even drew you into the coaching profession? You know, again, man, I, you know, I'll go back to just speaking on my on my high school coach, uh, Marlon Glenn, uh, you know, again, just because I, I literally wouldn't be in coaching if it wasn't for him. Uh, you know, like, I wasn't, you know, I, I grew up, uh, you know, in the suburbs and stuff. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a hard life. Uh, but, you know, even with that, uh, I don't know what I'd be doing right now if it wasn't for going through that program. So, and, and I mean, because of that, I mean, he's really the reason why I wanted to coach. So, you know, again, him, uh, again, honestly, too, Brady Hoke. Uh, you know, Brady Hoke had a great impact on me, um, you know, as my head coach. And he was also our defensive line coach, uh, too, during my last two years at San Diego State. Uh, you know, and that just had a tremendous impact on me. Uh, you know, uh, my first three years as a player, at San Diego State, I really didn't have a great experience, you know, and playing, being able to play for him, uh, you know, the rest of the guys on that staff, you know, our strength coach, Coach uh, Aaron Wellman, you know, was a, was a life-changing experience. And so, you know, again, kind of really solidified me wanting to get into coaching, uh, you know. And again, you know, uh, I mean, really, Coach, man, I, I've been lucky to be around some really good coaches almost at every stop, man. Uh, you know, my first job, working under Nick Rossetta, who was our head coach. Um, you know, he's taught me a lot uh, about coaching and, and how to approach players, you know, just how to love on, on players, too. You know, I think all three of those guys have kind of taught me that and uh, made me think about that. You know, a guy that had a really big impact on me, too, uh, you know, during my GA time at Michigan was being able to see Greg Madison uh, interact with the kids, yeah. you know, because yeah. Coach Madison is uh, one of the best teachers coaching-wise that I've ever been around, uh, ever. Uh, you know, just the way he was able to break down the game for the players. You know, never, I don't think I've ever heard Coach Madison cuss at any of the players uh, during my two years there, you know, and it's just, he didn't need to, you know, he commanded so much respect from the guys. Um, you know, that, that left a big impression on me during that time. And uh, so those were guys, you know, from uh, just in, who had an influence on how I try to go about coaching. 
those are the guys really that that stand out uh, to me right now. And even Rocky Long, uh, you know, playing for him too, and the coaching for him, you know, he's really kind of shaped my philosophy in terms of you know effort wise, what to demand out of a kid, um, you know, really kind of how to play defense. So those those are really the guys. Well, with, with Father's Day being yesterday, uh, I want to give you a chance to talk about y- your own dad and the influence he's had on you, because I know in, in previous conversations that we've had, you've talked about how he was such a big influence on you. So talk a little bit about your dad and the role that he had and just your life growing up and your decision to become a coach and, and the kind of person that, that, that yeah. you've grown into be. Coach, man, he's my hero. Uh, you know, uh, my dad is probably one of the most selfless people I've ever been around or ever met. You know, I know this may sound corny or, you know, or may sound a certain type of way, but, you know, my dad's one of the best examples of what uh, trying to live like Christ looks like, uh, to be honest. Uh, My dad, uh, again, always really puts people first above himself, uh, certainly with our family. Uh, That has been the case uh, with me growing up and even now. uh, You know, he was the glue that kind of, you know, has held our family together uh, throughout this time and just you know his unconditional love you know for me throughout this whole process you know like in the recruiting aspect of it so many parents you know and kids you recruit uh so many of their parents you know sometimes become agents for their kids and stuff yeah and and again i I don't i don't knock anybody for how they try to to handle their kids in their situation but you know i was always thankful my dad was always my dad um, you know, it was never some some kids have stories about, you know, how their dad would try to coach them up or talk to them about the game and this, that, and the third. My dad never my my dad never did that. My dad was always my dad. Yeah. And so um, you know, that had a huge impact on me, uh, and how and how I viewed the game, uh, and just just my life. Uh yeah, no, coach man, he's a, I, I love him. He, he's he's a, he's my hero. So I love what you said there, Coach, uh, and that's a great reminder for all of us who are who are who are dads now as well. That he was your dad, you know, it was not your friend, not your buddy, not your coach, uh, not your your biggest critic, but he was your dad, and and I think that that's a, a commonality that we both share and uh, and how we feel about our dads because that's how I feel about mine. And um, I could, yeah. you know, I'm not the one being interviewed here, so I but I, I won't get too much into him, but I could tell us kind of the same types of stories, just uh, and experiences that I had growing up, um, you know, and just um, uh, with my own dad and, and feel uh, as you do feel very fortunate to have him in my life so that's that's awesome I think that's a great reminder that you know our our kids our sons our daughters just need us to first and foremost be their dads so at San Diego State you were the most inspirational player in 2008 what what is that award and and how did you get that award (laughs) Uh, man it's just being loud I mean and looking back on it it's really just being loud and trying to just you know, I used to kind of give, because uh, I was a wrestler freshman at the time, or maybe wrestler sophomore, but, you know, there's always kind of a guy in the locker room before the game giving speeches. And, uh, you know, and I was kind of that guy to kind of get everybody going. Again, I wish I could tell you that led us to a lot of success on the field. It didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, uh, 
but uh you know so that that's how i that's how i got that i got you well it obviously had a, had a pretty good impact on your team because you were team captain in 2010 yeah. uh talk about just some of your highlights from your career as both you know a player and as a coach because you, you talked about you've been at some great places been around some great coaches and i'm sure coached some outstanding players so just talk about some highlights from your career as you look back yeah no i think um you know one of the highlights you know, for, for me as a player as well. I mean, being voted team captain meant a lot, um, you know, for me as a senior, you know, that our, you know, my teammates would think that about me. Um, you know, that, I mean, I, I think that's always, you know, an honor um, for players when they receive it. And I, I was very grateful and thankful for that. Uh, man, I, I was. And, uh, you know, I think our senior year too, the thing that, that stands out to me really for my San Diego State career is that, you know, we were we went to a bowl game my senior year for the first time in 12 years. Uh, it was our first bowl win, I think, since like the 70s. Wow! And so, um, you know, I, that was a you know at the time it was it was a big deal, and I, I you know I'm thankful to you know just our that team and our senior class and just that we were I was so fortunate to be able with such a great group of guys. Um, you know, that wanted to get it turned around and wanted stuff to be different than it had been. Because, you know, coach, up to that point, you know, we've been terrible. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, my, uh, my redshirt sophomore year, I think we were one of the worst teams, probably the worst team in the country. I think we went 2-10 and 10 that year. You know, we were garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how else to put it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to be able to, to, to flip it, you know, our senior year, uh, just with that great group of guys in the locker room, you know, and Coach Hoke and the great job they did with that staff, I mean, you know, with his staff, um, you know, I think was was great and, you know, kind of set it off to where now, you know, every year um, since then, you know, San Diego State's been to a bowl game, uh, you know, so uh, that, that's always something that, you know, I'll always be thankful for. You know, uh, as as a coach at San Diego State coming back in 2016, you know, we won the Mountain West Conference Championship that year. Uh, we had to, to play Wyoming in the championship and uh, beat them in a really tough, hard-fought game. Uh, you know, Josh Allen was incredible. Uh, I hate that guy. Possible <laughs> way possible, you know, but, uh, you know, I, that's something that, that I'll always be – you know, thankful to have been a part of, uh, you know, because when I was a player at San Diego State, you know, really up until my senior year, you know, winning a championship didn't even seem possible, you know, it just was unfathomable. And so to have been a part of, you know, those days at San Diego State to experience a championship, you know, to be able to come back as a coach and do that, uh, you know, was, was uh, you know, I'm not going to lie to you, coach was awesome. And so, you know, those are really kind of the, the, the highlights, you know, um, from, you know, on-field stuff. You know, coaching-wise, you know, I was very thankful for the San Diego State experience, you know, just for, like, um, with the kids. We had such a great group of kids overall on the team, but I was really thankful for the group of kids that I was able to coach uh, in the room, you know. Uh, the, the defensive line coach before me, Osei Lewis, and God rest his soul, he recently just passed. Um, you know, I inherited a really good room from, uh, you know, just from a talent perspective and also just from, you know, an attitude and character perspective, you know, and I, and I was very thankful for that because I played a real big part in us winning 
2016. And just the three years I was there, just building those relationships with those kids, you know, really getting to know them, coach them, you know, love them. Uh, you know, something that I'm always going to be, and I'm always going to really cherish, I guess, from, from that experience. You know, that was, I mean, it was, you know, coach, it was the best part about the job. And so, um, you know, those are things, you know, looking back, on it now, uh, you know, um, that, I, that, uh, that I really enjoyed and, and really highlights to me from, from coaching so far in playing. Anytime that I get a GA on here, a former GA, but you know, like I work yeah. with a guy, our, our DB's coach here at GA to TCU, and he 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 has a saying: once a GA, always a GA. So, uh, anytime right. I get a former GA uh, on on the podcast, I always like to ask him about their best GA story. So you GA at, at Michigan uh, under Coach Hope. Yeah. Uh, I've heard everything on here from you know guys uh, working college rodeos to guys you know babysitting coaches' kids to picking up their their laundry all those those typical uh, graduate assistant duties. Uh, g- give us your best GA story or stories from your time there at Michigan. I have to start it off. I might have been one of the worst GAs in the history of GAs. <laughs> uh, you know, and I say that just because whatever stereotype that you have in your head about a young coach who's just, you know, new to coaching, it's like I was that guy. Like, <laughs> you know, thought he knew more than – he did. Like, I had no clue about how much I didn't know, uh, you know, and God, I was just, you know, for back of a le- lack of a better phrase, just really, really dumb. And uh, and I say that, too, because, you know, I, I struggled at times uh, a little bit with, uh, you know, being a GA and doing the grunt work. But, you know, Coach, I never had to do any of that stuff, you know. I never had to clean somebody's car, you know. I never had to do the random you know, oddball task, you know, we, I mean, coach, I'm going to be honest, we, they took care of us, you know, and something that I didn't realize uh, until, you know, getting to another job and then realizing like, damn, man, you really had a good, yeah. um, but you know, like um, there was no, uh, you know, crazy story. I guess the only crazy story I have uh, maybe is that I think we're on our way to Notre Dame. You know, for our pregame dinner, and a lot of the time, a lot of the events before the game, we had to have a, a suit and tie uh, for to wear. And I forgot my jacket. Uh, man, I I realized with with about two, a minute of us pulling out of the deal, and so I'm just because you know, again, I'm a GA, and as a coach, if you don't have your suit and jacket on, you're you know, it's about to be bad news for you. And yeah. So, yeah. I was pretty much freaking out the whole bus ride down to uh, down the South Bend, and so I ended up having to go to a Walmart and, and just get whatever jacket I could find. <laughs> and, it ended be, and it ended up being all right, uh, you know. So I guess that's the that's the only maybe I guess somewhat crazy story I yeah. had. And then uh, yeah. you know, as a GAs, you have to run the cards for the pregame uh, warm up or walkthrough. Um, when you go, when you get to uh, the stadium, you know we did, yeah. and we always do it the night before the game when we got to some place. And so usually you bring a, a pair of gym clothes or something to change into and stuff. Well, going into the Minnesota game one year, I didn't bring them, so I had, I had to run the cards and the whole stuff in my suit and my jacket the whole, <laughs> the whole time. It's uh, looking like an idiot. Yeah. So, um, yeah. You always hear the stories about you know just just no sleep and and up at the office just seems like oh, around the clock. Yeah, yeah, no, that was true. Yeah, I mean that was. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, no, uh, you know, we, we worked a lot, you know, because Coach Madison came from the NFL. He slept up the office in the, in the league. And so, you know, he, it wasn't like that at Michigan, but, you know, we were up there a lot, yeah. uh, a lot. You know, I felt like I had to sneak out at times, you know, around 11 or, or 12 o'clock. You right, know? So, right. Uh, that stuff, uh, you know, that, that stuff was definitely true. Yeah. Uh, of that experience, man. Uh, a lot of hours. And it's really part of the reason why I got out the first time. You know, because my second year as a GA was my first year of marriage. And, uh, man, I, it was tough, man. Uh, you know, I only got to see my wife one day a week for the most part, uh, you know, during the season. And so, uh, man, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot, man. It, it, wow. it was a lot. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about get to the quarterback or get to the QB, excuse me, uh, and that, yeah. which, which is the website that you began. And it's just an awesome, awesome website and resource for coaches. And uh, I talked it up a lot in the intro of this episode. And, and again, coaches, uh, this is just this is going to be your new best friend. And it's something it's, it's you definitely need to go check it out. But let's talk about how, you know, how did you get the idea to start that website? And what was that process like getting that off the ground? You know, the idea behind it, you know, is because uh, upcoming this year, I'm kind of, I'm, uh, you know, I'm transitioning careers, actually. I'm, I'm getting into finance, so I won't be teaching and coaching on the sideline this year. But I wanted a way to still be able to uh, stay around the game. And so I figured, you know, being able to write about it, um, you know, will be, you know, kind of my way to, to, to um, stay around it and also to try to be able to help coaches because I feel like there's so much stuff uh, that I wish I knew when I got back started in coaching, you know, in, in 2010 or 2011 that I just, you know, hope, you know, want to share with people and if it helps, great, you know. I mean, if it doesn't help, you know, great. And if it helps, great, you know. And so I just kind of wanted to find a way to be able to stay around the game and, and also just be able to help coaches, you know, I think. With getting into coaching period, you know, the main reason why I've ever wanted to do it is just to help people out, you know. And so, uh, you know, this was kind of my, my idea to, to hopefully help out, um, you know, coaches do this, you know. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of the, the whole the thought behind it. And then, you know, kind of just getting it off the ground. You know, it's been, uh, it's been an interesting process because it's just been all me, uh, you know, going through basically just Wix.com and uh, trying to just, piece everything together uh, through that. And uh, so far, so good. You know, there's been some technical difficulties here and there trying to figure it out, you know. But so far, you know, it's actually been, you know, for the most part, pretty smooth. So, uh, you know, I've been thankful for that. You know, the and since we launched, I think, last week, you know, the, the reviews so far have been pretty positive. So, um, you know, so it's been good. I'm enjoying it so far. Well, yeah, and, and I think it's been live for a little over a month at this point. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so if basically if you could sum up just the primary mission or goal of get to the QB, what would that be? Like, what what's your ultimate goal uh, in 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 providing this website? Well, I think you know for for me, the, the ultimate goal is really just to be able to help coaches and players and improve their overall game. You know, it, it, I mean, a lot of it's based around pass rush, but it, it's really just the overall game. And so, um, you know, so whether it's through the blog uh, and write about either scheme stuff or technique stuff through the blog or, you know, offering the D-line training for players out here or being able to help high school and, and junior college defense alignment, 
uh, gain exposure to coaches through the recruiting service, you know, again, it's just, again, around just trying to, to help uh, the, the players and the coaches, you know, and, and that's, um, that, that's, again, that's, that's really the mission, um, yeah. you know, of, of the site. You just touched on it there, but I want you to kind of flesh these out. Just talk about the uh, the services that your website provides and a little, you know, about each one. Yeah, so I, I think the first thing is, is the blog. Um, you know, it's my attempt to try to to put, uh, you know, um, some things out there in, in written form to try to help, you know, coaches just with pass rush stuff because it's just the one thing I felt like um, – you know, I, I didn't really know enough about, um, you know, as a player and especially early on as a, as a coach. And I think it's one thing that's just um, we're talking with other coaches. And, and I, you know, I think you talk to any coach out there, they always feel like they can improve in, in really, you know, all areas. And I just feel like, you know, pass rush wise, um, there's always stuff, you know, uh, there's stuff that I wish I, I knew three or four years ago. So it's really just, all right, well, how did I screw this up or how could I have got better? And it's just me trying to put that out in the blog uh, and, and hoping, you know, maybe that may be able to help somebody avoid the mistakes that I've made uh, in terms of, um, you know, some of the scheme, scheme uh, and tactics-wise where I've been lacking. Um, you know, so that's really kind of the, the, the hope for the blog. And then, um, you know, for the D-line training, you know, it, it's my way to still be able to get around and, and – <laughs> And coach kids, uh, you know, and so right now, you know, I'm not doing anything right now because of, uh, you know, COVID-19 and, and trying to make sure that it's safe, you know, for the kids, also for myself, you know, my, one of my daughters has asthma, so, you know, I just, I'm not trying to take any, any right, risk right. Uh, with that. And so, but hopefully uh, when it does get going, you know, it's either going to be through um, at a local high school next, next to where I live, or it's going to be through a, a gym. I'm currently talking to them about possibly using uh, and, and training out of there. And so, you know, again, it's just going to be, for the most part, focused pass rush-wise. Uh, you know, initially, I think if there's an appetite to try to go over more of the fundamentals of the game, um, then I'm definitely obviously, obviously going to be open to that. Um, but, you know, it's going to be probably small group stuff, maybe five to ten kids. You know, but, you know, again, as interest, you know, um, dictates, you know, make it bigger, you know, and, and try to bring in some more coaches, you know, uh, to, to train. And uh, so that, that'll that be the training part of it, man. And, um, you know, the recruiting service, which I, I'm really excited about, uh, you know, because one of the things I really enjoyed about the college um, level is the recruiting aspect of it, you know, from the evaluation aspect of it to getting to know the kids and their families. Uh, you know, I just all of it I really enjoyed. So this was my way to be able to to still do that from the evaluation aspect of it. And again, really try to help kids get their name out there to coaches. And so really the process is is that kids, uh, high school or junior college defensive linemen, they go on the site, they click on the link, they fill out their information, and then I'm able then to present the information to college coaches uh, across the country. Again, it's a free service for the kids. Um, you know, I'm never going to charge kids anything, um, you know, for recruiting. Uh, you know, again, it's just not my, my personal preference. Um, you know, they can use their money for other stuff, uh, you know, than, than paying me. And so, um, you know, that's kind of the, 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 the process of how to do it. And that's kind of the belief behind it, you know, is, um, 
is really just trying to help defensive linemen get their name out there. Because, like, you know, again, I mean, I'm sure you probably believe it. Defensive linemen are the most important position on the field. No you know, doubt. Biased, but, you know, no doubt. So whatever. You know, you know what I mean? And so, uh, you know, we do. I mean, defensive linemen dictate the game. And so, um, you know, I'm a big believer in what uh, John Calipari said one time that, you know, good players don't guarantee you wins, but bad players guarantee you losses. And so trying to help, you know, get uh, players, good players out to coaches and, and uh, you know, help everybody be successful. So, you know, that's the goal. Let's go back to the to the blog part because that's that's what immediately attracted me to your website. Uh, you posted an article yeah. about uh, New England's bear front, and then I think you had one about um, uh, the 49ers overload front. Uh, you, you've had yeah. a breakdown on the 49ers. So um, I, you, you also said with that blog you wanted to to help coaches, you know, kind of learn the things that you wish you knew now. So what are those things? What are some things that you know now that you wish you would have known uh, as a younger coach, specifically in regards to pass rush? Well, I, think, I just think, one, uh, you know, man, just you know, just how much teams use the bare front in long yardage situations to be able to dictate the protection they're going to get. Uh, you know, because so much of football now, you know, as you know, is offense is trying to dictate everything to the defense. And so, as, you know, as a defensive coach and uh, as, a, as a play caller, you need to be able to find ways to dictate to them. You know, that was one of the things we did well uh, at San Diego State, you know, and um, and third down-wise, one of the best ways to me, and watching, you know, just a bunch of the NFL film, is teams lining up in bear. Uh, you know, I mean, God, New England, looking at their film this past year, I would say almost, you know, the majority of their third down snaps are going to be in bear, and they're going to be in bear for that reason. And to uh, again, trying to dictate the protections they're going to get from the offense, and then putting your players in the best personnel matchups, uh, you know, uh, to to get them to win. And so I think that's the number one thing, man. Is just you know, I, I feel like now if you don't have some sort of bear or fifty look in your in your third down. Uh, you know, man, I just, uh, you know, it, it's a mistake. You know, I mean, again, you don't have to major in it like New England does. But, uh, God, I mean, that's that's one thing. Like, I remember thinking, God, I, I wish I knew this, you know, 10 years ago. And so that's uh, that's really the, the big thing, man. That Like, that's the num- number one thing. There's a lot of things, but that's really the number one thing uh, I wish I would have known from the jump. And watching all of this film, I know you're watching. You've been, you've been watching a lot of NFL film uh, as as you start putting out content for your website. What are some other things you've picked up on? Some trends that you've noticed, or some things that you've learned that teams are doing? Uh, you know, I, I, I think a lot of it again is uh, you know looking at it, and this has really been stuff that's really kind of been prevalent because I really got uh, into breaking down all the pass rush stuff when I was GA and because uh, Coach Madison had uh, passed me with putting together a, a sack cut up uh, of certain moves uh, from the NFL that year. And I think it was, you know, from the 2012 season. And, uh, you know, even back then, man, you know, like Bear was prevalent and the, the six across, you know, kind of walked up mug look uh, was prevalent. And I think those are really kind of the two things that really stand out. Um, you know, as well as some of the double three looks up front you know, that teams will try to get in. And, uh, or again, man, really the overload stuff, 
uh, front the outside uh, to be able to draw up. But basically, you know, when you have the three, basically there's three D linemen on one side, and then you have the one defensive lineman opposite of them. Uh, you know, a lot of teams utilize that and um, to try to get, you know, those backside defensive ends with their one-on-one look. You know, that was one of the things the Niners tried to do. Uh, you know, with Bosa. And so, um, you know, just those things, just trying to, I guess the overall theme is just really trying to use your fronts that you that you have to really try to manipulate and attack, uh, you know, and stress protections and also stress mismatch is really the biggest thing um, that I've noticed when trying to break down NFL film. No, I hope that wasn't a you know too convoluted of an answer. But no, no, no. I I, I think that that's um, you know sometimes we as coaches we can get so caught up in our own scheme that that we we're afraid to right. step out of the box a little bit. You know, well, I'm a four three guy, or I'm a I'm a three four guy, or I'm a right. whatever guy. But kind of like what you're if if I'm if I'm hearing you correctly is you can still be that, but you have to be able to have some packages or some some other looks that you can give and um, to, to to obviously to dictate to the offense. And I think that that is a a theme that you're seeing. You know, as I've talked to more and more coaches, like that's the we're trying to in attempt to to flip the script, you know, um that that hey, it's right. it's we're not we're no longer just reacting to the offense. They're going to react to us and we're going to do some things that are going to um, you know, force their hand a little bit as far as protection goes and then I think that's that's what you're talking about and what you're seeing out of out of offense out of excuse me, out of defenses in the NFL. Absolutely. And I think even one of the things too is like you're saying, you can be a 4-3 guy or a 3-4 guy. And all that, and if you know how teams are going to try to protect you on your fronts that you're going to have, then you need to be able to have answers to stress those protections. Like even watching uh, Minnesota, like they don't really do a ton of different front variations and, and all those things, you know, so far in the breakdown that I've been watching. But what they do know, or what they do do a really good job of, is because they don't have a lot of. Uh, different fronts, they know exactly how they're going to get protected most of the time, and so they have different blitzes or looks uh, out of that that stress of protection that they're going to see. So, uh, again, even if you're not going to be multiple with your front look, you need to be able to have uh, you know different different looks, uh, different guys you can bring to stress the protection that you're anticipating to see. And I think if you don't do that as a coach, uh, you know you're just you're leaving, you're not. What's your process for uh, breaking down offensive protections? Yeah, you know, uh, uh, you know, I just put out an article about this uh, not too long ago, um, and so, you know, this was influenced by a guy named Nick Davis. Uh, he's uh, the defense coordinator at Rose uh, Rose uh, Holman, I think. I'm, I hope I'm not saying that wrong. Yeah, that's uh, right. But, that's right. You know. Yeah, and he has a great uh, Twitter account that he runs, and uh, between his personal and then the spread defense one, coaches, if you're not following that, I highly suggest it. And, um, you know, um, I'm going to be honest, before really kind of listening to some of his stuff, I felt, you know, my breakdown process, while I I was, you know, uh, felt like I had a pretty good deal going with breaking down personnel, which I'll get into, but in terms of actually breaking down the protections, I thought was really, you know, for the most part, bad watching this stuff and because I would put in you know some generic stuff you know when it comes to protection I put half slide but you know that doesn't tell me how many guys were in the protection where the where they slid to 
right. you know, whether to the field, to the boundary, away from the back, to the back. And so, you know, that stuff wasn't really good. And so now um, how I'm going to do it going forward, uh, again, based off of, you know, watching this stuff, you know, just using a two-number system, I think, um, going forward, I think would be helpful. And so when I say two numbers, you know, the first number signifies, you know, again, how many people were in the protection. So, again, if it's, you know, empty, it'll be the first number will be five. If they keep the back end, it'll be six, you know, and if they keep the back and the tight end, it'll be seven. Uh, will be the first number. And then um, if it's man protection out of any of those, it'll just be zero. Uh, so it could be 50, 60. Uh, you don't really see 70, even though Stanford did a little bit of 70, which was interesting. And um, But, you know, I use zero to dictate, uh, you know, man protection. And then um, if it's half slide, I use uh, two to signify. So it, to signify that the slide's going to the to the field with the man side into the boundary. So it'll be 62 or 52. And then uh, if it's uh, if it's 61, it signifies the, the slide side of the protection going into the boundary with the man side to the field. And then uh, using the eight and nine number. Um, for a full slide, you know, with eight being to the field and nine being to the boundary. And so, um, you know, I think, you know, going forward, uh, I think that's a lot better way to do it, at least for, for me, uh, just because it gives you an instant picture of, you know, all right, 68, I know exactly what that looks like. You know what I mean? And yes. so, um, so breaking the protection down with the two-number system um, is, is the first thing. Is really trying to go through all that. The next thing, you know, I want to chart uh, and have a column for is charting where the running back lines up, and that's all based on field or boundary, you know, um, because, again, I want to be able to match it up, one, with how I'm, with how I'm tagging the, the protection based on field or boundary. And uh, most of the time, I want to be able to match it up to the protection because nine times out of ten, most of the time, from what I've seen in my experience, is if the back's, you know, wherever the back's at, the slide's usually going away from them more right. times than not. Um, you know, again, depending on what front you're in. So I, I want to keep track of that. Uh, and then the next thing is I want to track what the front the defense is in. Uh, again, just so I have an idea, and that's all based on field or boundary. So if they line up in, you know, over to the field, you know, it's just over, you know, under to the field, it's under. And again, so I can grab each front and see what they're doing against uh, protection-wise against each, each uh, front and be able to run that data. You know, because for us at San Diego State, you know, we were different in that we were, you know, we we had 13 fronts. I mean, because we, we lined up a bunch of ways, so I needed to be able to uh, to know what they did. And so I wish I would have been doing this when I was the D-line guy. That would have made it a lot easier for me. And then, um, and then the last thing I try to look for is how many guys were on the line of scrimmage. So if it was just a four-down look, I'd put four down, three down, you know, uh, a five-down look, you know, or six-down look with some guys, you know, with the, the six-up. Uh, look and that, so that way I can just grab all the four down looks if I need to and see how they protect those. Grab all the three man looks, see how they protect those. So and then the last thing I try to do is, uh, and this is optional, but you know I'll, I'll try to tag how many deep, how many defenders the the um, 
shoot that the defense rushed so I can have a better idea, you know, if, if they brought five or six guys, I can grab those clips and see how the offensive line handled it and then also be able to see how the, the quarterback handled it. Uh, you know, did he freak out, you know, or if, um, you know, if they faced a big, you know, three rush drop 18, which, you know, we weren't a big, we, we didn't do that very much, but we had a ton. You know, see how the quarterback handles that. You know, uh, can he process it? Can he pick apart some of the holes or, or not? So, you know, protection wise, those are you know the things you know I try to, to look for and break down. You know, I will be looking for and breaking down going forward that I think will be really helpful in, in creating a clear picture for me, and then that's allowing you know me to be able to put my guys in a, in a better situation. Coach, you talked about before that answer how how when you once you kind of stumbled on this stuff or discovered this stuff, you realized you've been doing a bad job of breaking down pass protection. Well, that's that's where I'm at right now at this moment after just hearing that because I love the detail and uh, just the. Um, just all, all the detail within that with the two-number system and, and all those things because I think you're right. That's where I have been. I mean, that's 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 currently what I what I do. You know, that's well, a half slide, you know, running back insert, whatever. I mean, pretty general. Uh, but And, and then it sometimes, you know, and I, it goes back to what you said earlier. When you know how they're protecting you, then it makes it really easy to know, okay, well, here's how we're going to attack, and here's what we can do. Uh, but if you don't know that, then you're really just kind of guessing, right? I mean, uh, you're just kind of going out there fishing and hoping you catch a, you, you, you know, you catch something as opposed to knowing where the fish are and saying, hey, here's where they are and here's what, here's what they like to eat and here's where we're going to you know, go catch them. So um, I think that the more details that you can throw in there and, and uh, really trim those clips down to get exactly what you want to look at uh, is only going to help you. Sure. So I, great stuff. Stuff right there. I'm sure as you have watched this stuff and it just as you became a coach, you developed your own pass rush philosophy. So what is that? What would you say is your pass rush philosophy? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, pass rush philosophy in terms of just trying to um, teach the kids how to rush, you know, has been influenced, you know, I again just thankful for the the, the Michigan experience. Uh, you know, our, our defensive line coach my last year there, Mark Smith, went to go meet with, uh, I want to say his name is uh, Joe Cullen, who's an NFL defensive line coach. I think he's a Marinelli uh, disciple. And anyway, um, you know, he went to go talk to him. And during that process of talking to him, he learned about what he called the, the vertical set theory, uh, vertical set line theory. Um, but for and. And that's the out for outside rushers and inside rushers. You know, there was they used a you know a box theory. And forgive me, you know, theory makes it sound like we're really trying to be smart in here. But I, yeah, you know, no, I, that's not the case. But, I get you. Um, and so, but uh, basically, with with the vertical set line, I'll talk about that first. Uh, basically, for edge rushers, what you want to do is you want to draw a line from the tackle's outside foot. Uh, to about four yards directly behind it with a dot at the end. And so as the edge rusher, you, when the ball is snapped, you are racing the offensive tackle to that dot. And based on um, based on whether you beat him to that spot or not and whether he stays on that line or not, it's going to kind of dictate what you do. And so what I mean by that, if you're even with the offensive tackle, um, when you get to the dot, then you should keep speed rushing. So the way we try to teach the kids is if you're even, you're leaving. And so 
uh, if the tackle beats you to the spot, so there's space between you and him when he uh, when he gets to the spot. So whether he got a great jump or you get off stuck, um, you know there's space between you guys. Well, then you should plant your foot and bull rush him uh, because again he's going to be able to uh, adjust any speed move that you try to throw in that situation. And then um, if he gets off his line and tries to maybe cover you up with a jump set or something. Um, then we try to teach our kids to um, counter inside because, again, you know, we try to frame it to our kids as you don't contain the pocket, you contain the quarterback. And so if you can come under and get back vertical and, and contain the pocket or sack the, the quarterback, then you did your job. And so, um, you know, that's kind of the, the main philosophy, you know, kind of the, the fundamental way I try to teach the edge rushers. And then with the box principle, it's basically the same principle is where you draw a box around usually fat offensive guard and you know whether um and what he does and whether he stays in that box or not um you know is going to dictate what you do so and obviously with the inside guys you know the action is far much um far more quicker you know if it's happened like that it's really just after your first two steps is if you're even you should speed rush um, you know, again, if he's in the box and you're even after two steps, you should speed rush. If you're, if he's deeper than you, you should bull rush him. And then if he gets out of his box to cover you up, you should counter inside uh, to where he was. And so that's kind of the base uh, foundation uh, of it. And then, you know, based on when they throw their speed moves or speed rush moves, you know, I teach, um, you know, uh, they should do certain things based off where the offensive lineman punches from. Um, you know, and so I think there's moves, certain moves that work well against guys that you classify as high punchers. So they punch from, uh, you know, they keep their hands high and they punch high, or guys who keep their hands low and punch from low, kind of like the old Western guys. And so based on whether I thought a guy, an offensive lineman that we were going to be playing was either high or low, would try to dictate, all right, this is a move you should be thinking about if you get in a, you know, in a, in a speed rush situation where you're even with a guy. So sorry, I know that was a mouthful, but no, no, I, I love it, and, and I love you know I've I have um, you know coached the uh, I, I think that's a very simple way to coach pass rush uh, to, you know talking about the four yard right. spot behind the foot because you know it just gives the kids something you know all right that's what I'm racing to and then and again and I've and I've taken a, a jump rope and put it you know from behind a kid and, and connected that dot and so they can have that or get somewhere where they're on a line you know where they can see okay if he crosses that line now I can counter move or if he sits up and now he's waiting on me now I convert that into a bull rush but I, I haven't I haven't I haven't heard of the box theory with the inside guys and that's that's always where I kind of ran, ran into some problems because, you know, in, in the past I'd say, well, instead of four yards behind their outside foot, you know, your spot's two yards behind, you know, that guard's outside right. foot. And and it's kind of the same thing, kind of same principle, you know, and, and, and same thing you're talking about with the box. The box is just another way of thinking about it. But I like that idea yeah. that, you know, hey, if they come out of your come out of the box, now you can counter. And um, and it, you're right, it, you know, with those inside guys, they're rushing in a phone booth, so everything's going to happen quicker for sure. Uh, well, let, let's talk about this. So as you're watching, I mean, you're, you're looking at, okay, um, you know, you, you've watched the, we've talked about how you've watched the, the, the Patriots, you've watched the 
49ers. And uh, if you're a D-line coach, you have to be a fan of, of their front and the things that they're doing w- with their guys there. No uh, who are you watching currently or who have you been watching lately that you're like, man, this is uh, I'm really imp- you're really impressed with them or you really like what, what you're seeing out of them? It could be a player or a team or a scheme. What have you been watching lately? One, I'm going through the Minnesota Vikings uh, right now uh, with the breakdown. And again, man, you know, Daniel Hunter is a guy who just stands out, uh, you know, on any clip that you watch. You know, he's, uh, you know, I, I just learned this recently. I guess he's the quickest player to 50 sacks, I think, in NFL history. And, uh, you know, and, and watching him on film, you can, I mean, you can tell why. You know, I think, one, he's just so athletically gifted. Uh, you know, I mean, he just—he gives people problems. I mean, just from an athletic and a length standpoint. Uh, you know, and then two technique—you know, technique—excuse uh, technique-wise, you know, he's just really sound. You know, he does a really good job with the long arm. Uh, you know, and the long arms—you know—club, uh, and then uh, you know, he doesn't—he can overwhelm guys with power. You know, I think he just does so many things well. Uh, you know, their coach. Well, the defensive line coach, uh, I think it's, it's Coach Patterson. He does a really, really good job with those guys. Really, the entire front, you know, because Everson Griffin too, you know, is is really, really good. Um, you know, Linval Joseph, uh, their big defensive tackle. You know, they just do a lot of really good things. Um, you know, and then the other two guys, teams that stand out to me too. Thinking about it. You know, the Saints do a really, really good job uh, mixing stuff up and kind of coming at you with different looks. And, uh, you know, Cameron Jordan, you know, uh, a guy who I don't think probably gets enough love, uh, you know, from, from people probably outside of New Orleans. You know, Cameron Jordan is, is really, really good. Uh, you know, he just he calls so many bombs, just has a power rusher, uh, you know, and also being able to use his speed. I mean, he, he does a really good job. And that front is just, you know, all every you know, if you're a defensive lineman in the NFL, you're really athletic. But I mean, the Saints are, I mean, are just really athletic up front. And then um, the the last uh, group uh, that I'll talk about, I guess, is you know the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you know, really, I didn't really understand how good of a front uh, they had uh, getting after the quarterback and rushing. And you know, T.J. Watt, uh, Bud Dupree. Stephon Tewitt before he got hurt, you know, and that's the crazy thing watching them is they, I mean, they absolutely got after it. And one of their best guys, I don't think even played after, you know, first few weeks into it, Yeah. Uh, you know, but Cam Hayward and then uh, I want to say, you know, I think it's Javon Hargrave uh, who just went to the Eagles. You know, I mean, they're just, they were, you know, that's one of the best front fours. Uh, you know, I can remember watching, you know, and uh, so it's just, you know, it's it's fun breaking it down, man, because it's just uh, it's just a lot of good players and, and a lot of good scheme, man, uh, from the from the teams that are really successful to and uh, are getting after the QBs, you know, because I think all those teams were top five, you know, top six in sacks. So, uh, and, I mean, just watching the film, you can tell why. All coaches, when they're watching film and they see something they they like, uh, a lot of times if they don't have the clicker with them, they hey hey run that back. And right. so so talk to me about you know what is it when you're breaking down these guys down? What causes you to hit pause and tell yourself, man, I got to run that back and look at that again? What 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 skill or, or what what is it that you see out of these guys that makes you run the film back? Well, 
I, I think there's a couple things. I think, you know, seeing all the different things that, that New England did out of their bare front, you know, made me run it back and really try to study, uh, you know, what they were doing. Because they just, they're so multiple stunt-wise out of that look, um, you know, and, and doing stuff that, you know, I, I hadn't seen done, you know, in terms of, you know, some of the combo stunts they were running with, you know, three-man games to one side with a two-man game on the backside, you know, I hadn't really seen uh, before. Uh, you know, so different things, you know, team-wise, definitely makes you, uh, you know, try to run it back. And then, you know, there's just other stuff, you know, physically that these guys can do that that make it just be, you know, just like, how do you even, how is that even possible? Yeah. You know, I think yeah. – uh, Danielle Hunter was, you know, three or four yards behind a quarterback, at, you know, running a boot, and he walked him down and ran him out of bounds. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, and honestly, too, man, the guy that made me run it back a few times uh, watching their stuff with the 49ers was Bosa. Uh, I mean, Bosa, uh, for being, uh, you know, a rookie and how he was able to manhandle some guys, uh, I mean, I mean to be honest, was 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 kind of insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so the scheme stuff, and then just you know, again, just really watching it and thinking, and, and being able to to see these guys' athleticism uh, and just how different it is, you know. And uh, you know, it makes me think about man. You know, coach, I was real bitter when I didn't get drafted. You know, I thought, <laughs> you know, I'm definitely gonna get drafted. You know, I'm definitely gonna get in camp. You know, blah 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 blah. But then I actually had to watch, you know, NFL film. You know, uh, starting at Michigan, and I just, I after watching it, I was like, you're an idiot. Like you, like you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you just had, yeah. you had no shot. What were you thinking? Like what were you thinking? Like, yeah. it's just, these guys are so different. They're so, they're so gifted, um, ability wise. You know, and and. Um, and all that stuff. So it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always interesting watching that. Yeah, I think the, what always impresses me about NFL guys especially is just their, their ball get off and, and you know, how fast they're able yeah. to, to bend and, and turn that corner. You know, Bosa is one of them. Uh, you know, how he's able to just bend the edge so well. And, and, and I think that's, that's one of those things for me that's always an eye-opener is, is watching those guys uh, get off the ball for sure. Question. Well, Coach, great stuff, and, and it's the, the the website is awesome. And if you guys uh, haven't checked that out, uh, there, there will be a link uh, in the show notes of today's episode uh, for for you to go and check that out. And I, I highly recommend it. You know, articles are coming out. Uh, Coach, do you put put articles up every week? Is it is it just kind of whenever you get to it? Yeah. What's your schedule? Yeah, so I, I, right now I'm trying to stick to a schedule at least once one a week. Okay. Um, you know, we're gonna try to you know time permitting. Uh, you know, try to ramp that up. Uh, maybe, but definitely at least sticking to having one article, uh, one new article a week right now. Here's what we're doing today with our conversation here. We're gonna we're gonna pivot kind of yep. dr- drastically in our discussion from football, and 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 there's really no easy way to 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 segue from talking ball to now talking what we're gonna talk about today, and that's that's uh, just the the racial injustice that's that's going on in our country right now. And you know, yep. let me just kind of explain to the guys who are listening to this where this is coming from. In the in the in the wake of the the George Floyd death and and the tragedy that's ensued. 
pursued uh, since then. I, I've tried to, as a, as a personal, co- as a coach, as a, as a person, tried to be more open-minded and willing to have the difficult conversations that maybe previously I was either unwilling to have or just didn't know how to have. And so that's kind of what we're doing today with this back half of our conversation is is having that discussion. And, uh, and so... You know, this is just you and me talking here, and, and we happen to have this thing yep. recorded. So there's going to be people, no doubt, who disagree with things that are said, and that's okay. We're not going to uh, throw things or, or uh, um, you know, write this whole thing off. But but I think the important thing is that we have a chance and opportunity to learn something and, and gain another perspective. And I think that, that if we can all do that and, and seek to do that, then, you know, then a lot of the issues that we're facing uh, in our country can be fixed. So, uh, Coach, I just want to start off here. And this is a question I asked in, in last week's episode of Coach Curry when we, were, when we were talking. But it was, you know, what do you believe should be the responsibility of a coach in addressing the racial injustice in our country? today you, you should you should reach out to your players uh and i mean again to be honest through all of this uh to, you know to your black players uh with all this stuff is going on because you know there you know there's not a black person i've talked to uh to be honest when ever since the george floyd uh murder happened is that that isn't affected by this in, in you know a rather profound way and so you know, um, just understand, like, you, you know, your kids are hurting. And, you know, not every kid um, that's on your team that you coach has somebody that they're able to talk to. Yeah. And you may be that person for them. Uh, and really and having that person, having somebody to listen to them and understand, you know, what they're going through, you know. And, I, you know, it's your job as a coach to believe them, you yeah. know, in this time, you know, because – uh, again, you know, a lot of guys, uh, you know, can think of a certain way about it or not, but this, you know, racism is very real, and it's very real for your players, uh, you know, and it's something that they have to live with every day, you know, and, and there's no escaping it. There's no, you know, there's, I mean, it's just, you know, uh, it just it, it, it is what it is. And so, yeah. you know, it, it's, tough, it's tough to deal with, and, you know, as a coach, again, you might be the only, uh, excuse me, but um, you may be the only person in that kid's life um, that's willing to listen to him. So, I, you know, that would be my encouragement to coaches, you know, during this time uh, is to just really be willing to, to talk with your players and, and listen to them. Yeah. And, and I think what you're saying there, uh, I think listen is the key word and not you know, not necessarily, uh, you know, agree or disagree or comment or give commentary on their feelings, but just just being a, a willing uh, ear and a, and a, and a, a sympathetic uh, ear. Is that I mean, is that kind of what you're saying there? Yeah, and I I, I think though too, like as a coach, you know, I, I'm just going to be honest. Like, you need to believe your black players when they tell you racism is real. Yeah, because it is. You know, and again, it's a, it's really hard. It's really hard human nature-wise. Um, when you haven't experienced something yourself, it's very easy to be skeptical about somebody else telling you about it. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's not just, again, it's not just a white person thing. It's just, it's a human nature thing. Right. If you haven't experienced it, it's hard to, you know, sometimes believe it. 
Um, but, you know, again, I, for my thing, even if it, this is just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean it's not real. Yeah. And again, um, your, your black players have have experienced it in some sort of shape or way, even if nobody's straight up been disrespectful to them based on how they look and call them names or something like that. But their parents may have had to tell them, hey, this is how you need to act, you know, if, um, you know, if you have an encounter with a, with a policeman or, hey, you can't wear this, uh, you know, after a certain time at night or, hey, you can't do this. Uh, again, those are, those are talks that they have to have that, uh, you know, again, if you're, if you're, for the most part, again, if you're not black, you, you haven't had to, you know, those conversations don't have to happen with, right. with your players. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, uh, again, just, you know, be super, you know, be, I don't know, sympathetic is the right word, or empathetic for, for what they're going through, um, you know, because, again, it's, it's uh, everybody's faced it in, in varying degrees, um, you know, but it, it's, it, they faced it, and it, yeah. it is real. And, you, and again, even if you haven't heard about it before this, doesn't mean that, it, that it's not been real for them, uh, you know, again, for the most part, for their entire life. So, okay, Coach, if you feel comfortable doing so, could you discuss a time when you were you know, either witness to or a victim of, of racism and, and just describe the impact that that event had on you? So uh, I'll start this off by saying, you know, I, I've been fortunate, uh, I guess, in the sense that, you know, for, for me, I'm, I'm half black and I'm half white. And when people see me, uh, you know, to be honest, they don't really know what I am. I can pass as Mexican. Yeah. I've gotten Polynesian sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you know, Puerto Rican. I, you know, I just, I, I get kind of whatever people think I look like at that time of day. So my experience has even been different. Than my players on, on my teammates, but I, I guess I'll give you maybe two stories. Uh, one was uh, there was a guy I was GAing with when I was at Michigan. He used to go around uh, for walks in the neighborhood, um, you know, at night, you know, when it wasn't season. You know, he'd go around uh, the neighborhood around five, six, seven o'clock at night, just talking to you know family back home in California, and. Um, you know, one night uh, he had a he had a random um, person stop him uh, as he's walking and basically interrogate him, talking about, "Hey, why?" And again, the colleague that I was dealing with was black, and as he got stopped and um, basically had a person interrogate him as he's walking, like, "Hey, what are you doing here? Why are you walking through here? Uh, you know, what are you doing?" Da 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 da, and and had um, and then had the police called on him. And he's just walking down the street, talking on the phone. And so after that, what what my colleague had to do, uh, what my friend had to do, is that he made sure that he walked around with a computer bag that we got. And he also uh, wore a certain style of hat to try to make himself look less threatening um, to people as he was walking down the street. And again, it was just because he was black walking down the street at six or seven o'clock. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so that was, you know, that was, I remember talking to him about it. And, and again, that's just a very real thing, <laughs> you know, that he shouldn't have had to deal with. And, you know, I was just talking with one of my players uh, that I coached while I was at San Diego State, you know, about all this stuff that was happening. And he was giving me a story about, 
he was running a little bit late to school. He was about five minutes late. And I guess that day there was a report that a, that a kid was going to bring a gun to their school. And so within about 10 steps of him hitting campus, just trying to get to class, uh, their campus security officer, um, and, and again, this player that I'm talking about at this time in high school is probably 6'5", you know, 220, and again, he's a, he's a dark-skinned black kid. And uh, within 10 steps of, of being on campus, he basically gets uh, taken into a room by their campus police officer and three other cops and gets searched and all this other stuff uh, with nothing being told to him or, or anything um, until uh, until after. And then, you know, they told him, but they didn't apologize to him. They didn't do, they didn't do nothing. And he was, a, he was a black kid that was late to school. Yeah. And so, um, you know, again, those are things that happened to, to me. Um, but I know... You know, talking to um, you know my 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 friends, my teammates, you know, former players that I've had that they've had to go through. You know, um, you know, it's it's real stuff like that. Again, that player, I think that happened to him maybe his freshman or sophomore year, and uh, you know, I mean, he's a graduate now, of San Diego State, and all that stuff. You know, that stuff stays with you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and that, that those experiences, you know, even if you don't. You know, uh, even if it doesn't end up, you know, with you getting, you know, beat up or, or shot by police, like all that stuff stays with you. And yeah. So, um, you know, it's tough. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I know two ways about it. You know, it's just good stuff. Yeah. And you talk about, you know, just having to alter your, your uh, wardrobe or the way you, you know, the, 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 you're, you're talking about the guy you, you're GAing with, you know, carrying a computer bag. You know, those are things that I've never had to think about, you know, never had to right. think about. And um, this is uh, I'll share this story because that, that reminds me of a story that I that I experienced. Um, I had a player come to my house one time, uh, a bunch of them were coming over to eat, you know, we're grilling, grilling out. And it was dark and one of the kids who was coming over was was, was a, a black kid and he called me uh, from his car kind of out in front of my house uh he was afraid to a little nervous to come in to my house because he said when we got to when he got to the door he said coach i just get a little nervous walking around in neighborhoods like this and i i kind of was like that's ridiculous you know come on in that's always stuck with me and especially as this stuff has has uh surfaced it's it's just really you know that there are things that that as i walk around as a as a white man in america that i never ever had to think about you know never had to think about right. uh that that guys that i'm very close to guys that i love ha- do you know they're they're the walking through the neighborhood where i live like those they the, those guys had to think about that you know how you know who's who's watching them and 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 you know what, what if they're gonna get the cops called on them and so you know for me to pretend right. like that's not real uh that's that's just me choosing not to uh not to see that and, and so for me that was a big moment for me and just seeing that that man that that's a real concern uh for 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 people of color and and that um you know we should be should be sympathetic and empathetic to that and understanding of that and so that kind of leads me to my next question you know as a white coach uh what are some real 
tangible things that I can do to make a difference in ending racism, you know, in my program and community. And before I have you answer that, you know, I, I've thought about this question a lot, and it kind of reminds yeah. me to, to to let me take a ta- go off on a tangent for a second. Uh, we're both married, yeah. and so you can understand this probably. You know, whenever I get yeah. in trouble with my wife, I'll, a lot of times I'll just say, "Well, why didn't you just tell me that that's what you wanted me to do, and I would have done it." And she says the patented wife response, right? That's the patented husband response. Here's the patented wife response. I don't want to have to tell you because then it's not sincere, right? Like, I don't want to have to tell you to, you know, comment on my haircut or, you know, um, you know, say some nice things to me. I want you just to know to do it and do it. And so I understand when I ask you that question, like, hey, coach, what are some things that I should be doing that there's probably people out there listening that say, well, see, that's the problem. We don't, we shouldn't, you shouldn't have to be told. You should just recognize, hey, this is the right thing to do and do it. So I understand that. I'm still going to ask the question. So I'm still asking you the question uh, to maybe, again, open our eyes a little bit. Yeah, no, I, and again, I still think it's a, it's a good question to ask. I, I, again, I think regardless. Um, and so I think the, the first thing, um, you know, and I'm, I'm a prefacist, you know, by no way am I the, uh, you know, the end all be all source of what, how to, how to do it. Right. And so, uh, I, I'm not pretending, you know, I'm not trying to pretend like I am, you know, uh, I'm just a guy. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think, uh, you know, I think there's a, a, a couple of things you could do And one as a, as a white coach, um, is try to educate yourself on what implicit bias you may have towards your black players. Yeah. And I think, and again, I, I say this, is everybody has them, uh, even for me. Um, you know, like, I didn't realize until really watching the movie 13th, uh, which I recommend everybody to do. It's on Netflix and YouTube uh, by a lady named Ava DuVernay. I watched it about four years ago, and uh, it's literally probably one of the only things I've ever watched where it changed my life after. Uh, like, I've never looked at the world the same. And so I say that again, um, with trying to, to educate yourself on some of the biases you may have, implicit or, or not, is because before I watched that video, I never really understood or I was never really mindful of, hey, when I was walking down the street, uh, if a group of black people approached me uh, or a group of white people approached me, my reaction would be two different things. Yeah. And yeah. so. And uh, a lot of what that movie goes into is, is why everybody, for the most part in our society, has that implicit bias uh, baked into how they view uh, black people. And again, a lot of it has to do around slavery and the 13th Amendment and all that stuff, which, again, I just encourage people to, to watch that um, and, and help educate themselves, too. Because, you know, again, a lot of people, black people that you're going to talk to or, or as a coach or uh, you know, try to learn more is good, um, you know, but again, I think taking the initiative to educate yourself um, and, and trying to, to seek different avenues, I think is, is a major help for that. Because again, uh, you know, um, yeah, I mean, just black people are having a, that conversation a lot uh, this past few weeks, and I I just know it's a, it's not always the easiest conversation to have. And again, we're not always, you know, black people aren't that, you know, uh, aren't the end all be all knowing how to, to stop, you know, racism. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think again, so one still having the conversation is good, but educate yourself. Again, I recommend watching 13th. I think there's a, there's a book, uh, my wife just got done reading, uh, called white fragility, uh, that I think is really good. Uh, and why again, so much time, uh, 
a lot of times race is hard to talk about, especially as a as a white person, and a lot of that uh, book goes into why that is the case, you know, and, and so people understand why it's you know it's hard uh, to do it, you know, and, and being able to recognize that, and then being able to you know harness that and you know control those feelings to where you can have conversations about it and it be a conversation and not just be a knockdown drag out uh you know uh, event so those would be the i mean honestly to me two things um that i would encourage people to to watch or educate themselves on um and um and then the next thing too again is this there's such a you know at times i, I think it's such a you know, and uh, easy thing is not the right word, and I, I'm not going to say this right, but there's such a propensity for when black people talk about racism for, you know, there to be the natural reaction, oh, this again, you know, the whole victimhood thing, and blah, 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 blah. And it's just, again, that's, you need to listen to your players and believe them, yeah. you know? And because, uh, again, this isn't just, Hey, look at me! I, I went an attention thing. It's like, hey, uh, this is my experience, and you know, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, this impacts me. And, I, and you know, and again, like, to a, to a certain extent, not to be too traumatic, but hey, I don't want to die. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and um, you know, or I don't have to worry. I don't want to have to worry about being called uh, the N word or being. Uh, you know, having this negative stuff happen to me just because I'm black. And so, again, just be be there for your, your kids in an empathetic way, you know. I, I guess would just really be the two main things. And again, like, at the end of the day, I, I, I would hope every coach would, would, you know, agree that racism is real and that black lives matter, but even for you know what you know i mean hopefully i I mean just you do but for some reason even if you disagree just be there for your players because at the end of the day george floyd could have been anybody's black player Uh, and it's just and it's just the truth coach i i I think that's a a really um some really sound advice for for um for for me, and I'm talking about for me personally. Maybe guys listening to this can can think so as well, or, or or not. But you know, I think it's so hard. It's so hard to change yourself. You know, we want other people to change and, and be able to meet. It. I just want to rock along and say, hey man, y'all just need to figure it out and change, and you know, and and get over this. And but then when you say, you know, when you ask that question, and, I, and I'm I'm thinking about it as you're talking about, it, you know, what implicit biases do you have towards your black players? That's a tough question to answer because. You know, I know that there's some there's some stuff there that I need to that I need to identify and work through, and and I think if we're all being real and honest with each other, that we could all say the same thing. And it's not always about you know necessarily skin color. It could be a kid's socioeconomic level, right? Um, it could be uh, just a kid, uh, just just different things. You know, there's different prejudices that that not necessarily have to do with skin color, although that is a big one. Um, and I and I think right. that I think that that that's a that that's that's a tough question to have to answer, but I think that that is a, a key question that if we all start there and we all work that stuff out, man, I mean, it would be uh, astronomical, the change that, that could be made uh, in our society if we just did that, 
you know, if we just started there and did some serious self-evaluation. Uh, I think that, and, and you know, that the, as, as you talked about how we need to believe that racism is real. I think, and this is coming from a, a, a coach, a white coach's perspective. And like you said, I'm not the voice of, of all white football coaches. I'm just a dude. Right now, like I said, this is just you and me talking. We got a recorder on. Okay. Um, I think that it's sometimes because that, that, that people, I guess maybe white people have a, 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 a difficult time talking about racism or admitting that it's a problem is because we don't see, we're not around overt racism all the time. You know, like where Lord. it's uh, like Lord. it was back in, you know, the 50s and 60s with Jim Crow laws and things going on like that. Like we don't see that. So we're like, hey, there's not a problem, right? I think Lord. that what what that what there is is there's an underlying there's some underlying issues, some jokes or some stereotypes or some references made, you know, and, and it's and it's in, in our minds that they're, they're kind of they're innocent. Right. But that really uh, speaks to maybe how we view other people. And I think that's probably the, the, the big issue is that that stuff that's kind of underneath the surface. It's not. Hey, you know, it's like, oh, it's not real. that's not racist. That's just I'm just making a joke. You know, I think that's kind of the stuff that we're talking about, that 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 that's there and that that's the stuff that needs to be addressed, because I think most of us aren't living in a place where it, it's it's. It's as in your face as it has been maybe 40, 50 years ago. No question. And I, I think that's the that's a great way of putting it. And because, again, I think there's a lot of coaches out there that just because you don't call your black players the N-word that you don't like, you know what I mean? I'm not racist. And again, if you always threaten your kids with sending them back to the hood or, hey, you look like you're going to rob a liquor store right now based off of, yeah. you know, how you you know, how they're dressed, you know, again, you're automatically assuming negative connotations. So, you know, because again, uh, black, you know, the hood or, you know, not all black people live in the hood. Uh, right. Or yeah. in, uh, yeah. you know, and, uh, and again, just because black people dress a certain way doesn't mean that they're up to no good. And yeah. so, you know, so again, I think it's really being able to realize, you know, uh, again, like you're saying, certain jokes that you may have for your players, or certain um, references that you make, or certain things that you may say to them. Um, I think again that you really gotta, as a coach, you gotta really try to look at it and um, and really judge, you know, and really try to see. All right, well, is this, you know, is this beneficial for my players for yeah. me to talk like that? Because yeah. um, yeah. at the end of the day, everybody that coaches, you know, for the most part. Um, you know, I think wants wants to help their kids. Yeah. And so, all right, well, if I realize that this way isn't helping my kids, all right, well, I need to, you know, again, I, I need to change that, you know. And, um, it, and again, I, I think it's a hard process. And I think uh, for, for anybody to have this kind of introspective feel and look and be able to really say, like, all right, well, damn, like, I have been saying some racist stuff. And, um, you know, because, all right, well, I've been racist in the past. So, because we always think of it as, all right, well, if you're a racist, you're a bad person. And if you're not racist, you're a good person. And there's only, like, the one or the other, right? Yeah. And so if you admit that you've been a racist at any time, it means that you're a bad person. And while, yeah, it's not great. Um, um, you know, that you've been racist. Again, it's just, there's so much society-wise where 
everybody's been led to believe a certain thing about black people is that obviously it's going to impact uh, some of your thoughts. Again, just like, again, I've had implicit bias, and the two biggest heroes uh, in my life have both been black men. And so um, this, again, as, as coaches, still, even though it's hard, still be willing to do the work, acknowledge it, and try to, and try to make a difference by, be, by being different. Because, uh, again, that's what your players deserve. Um, you know, it, it's coaches that are really trying to uh, to help them and 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 lead in that way because that's what leadership is. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's doing the right thing even when it's not comfortable. You know, leaders, I remember hearing Pat Fitzgerald talk at a clinic one time. Leaders, a lot of times people think, um, well, leaders got to lead in a way that's comfortable for them. And I remember him talking about it in a, in a clinic and saying that's complete BS. Like, leaders do what they have to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even when it's not comfortable. And so, um, you like, again, not being able to say what you've been able to say in the past may be uncomfortable for you as a coach, but, I mean, you're the coach. And if this, is, and if this isn't uplifting your players, if this isn't helpful for them in their growth as a man, um, you know, then, you know, again, have, uh, you know, I, I really encourage you to, to look at, you know, changing whatever that, whatever that may be. Uh, to again be able to help your players grow and, and benefit them, speak life into them. And coach, I don't think there's any defense for that. Meaning, you know, when you're saying if if whatever you're saying to your players, if it's not uplifting them or benefiting them or building them up as young men, then you shouldn't say it. And 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 I think that that shuts down. That well, it's just a joke. I mean, come on, you know, um, <laughs> or, or you know, the, the roll your eyes and okay, we can't say anything anymore, right? You know, like I guess. We, and, and well, I, <laughs> go ahead. No, it's just that feel too. It's like, well, you know, I, I, you know, that's I'm not going to be comfortable doing that. You know what I mean? And I, right. I, I got to be real with you. It's a lot more uncomfortable being black. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. And so that that's so what I'm saying is, is, is if for someone to try to, to, to defend things that they're saying, and if you're saying, OK, well, if you hold it up to the standard of, hey, is it uplifting and, and build, helping build up that kid? Yes. OK. Uh, awesome. You know, great. No. Or maybe. Eh. Well, then don't say it. I mean, because that goes against what we say we're trying to do when we sign up to be a coach. And that's build up young men. And I think, too, because a lot of coaches will hear you say that and be like, oh, well, I can't be hard on them now. And no, like no. you can absolutely be able to hold your kids to high standards yeah. and not demean them. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's entirely possible. Um, yeah. And so I think anybody that tries to bring that up, you know, um, you know, it's just it's incorrect. And so, yeah. again, it's entirely impossible to hold your kids to extremely high standards without dehumanizing them or demeaning them as human beings. Great stuff, Coach, and I appreciate it. You know, it's not easy to have this conversation, and and you know, you come on a podcast, a football podcast. You want to talk some football, and so I know when I asked you, "Hey, is it okay if we talk about some of this stuff?" and you were you were willing to do that, and I really appreciate it. I do want to end on a higher note, a lighter note, lighten things up a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna close out with our rapid fire questions here, and I'm gonna give you uh, sets of two words, and you give me the first one that comes to mind, and uh, and, and we may. We may get in and talk about these a little bit here, but I, I, I got a, I got something for you. So let's let's see what you got here. Okay, so when you're talking pass rush, okay, uh, what would you prefer, speed or power? Uh, power. 
going back from your days at, at Michigan, favorite kind of game in the big house, day game or night game? Night game. Uh, now, did you watch um, did you watch the Last Dance docuseries with Michael Jordan, like like everybody else in America? No, you know what? To be honest, I'm one of the few that didn't. Wow! Um, wow! Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I'm a LeBron guy. Okay. Well, that, that, there's my there's my question. I was gonna say LeBron or MJ. You said LeBron. Now that's a pretty. Of all the things that you said today, that's probably the thing that's gonna yeah. ruffle the most feathers right there. Is, is taking LeBron over MJ. It, with me, hey, hey, I was coach, coach Lawson. I was totally with you through all of this until you said that right there. We're gonna have to shut the pod, the podcast down right now, uh, based on that statement. No, so LeBron guy, okay. Uh, by the way, yeah, and, and, I just try to tell the truth, coach. I got you. Well, I appreciate I, I just, it. I hey, try to tell the truth. and I'm not, you know, I can still have a conversation with you and enjoy being around you, even though your opinion on LeBron James is wrong, but uh. Do you, just side note, do you think they're going to get a season in and, and, and all of that in the bubble? Man, uh, you know, it, it seems like uh, they may, but I'm not going to lie to you, man. I think with the recent numbers of what it's looking like in Florida and, and Texas, uh, man, it's going to be a, a tough deal to yeah. pull off. I hope they do, um, you know, I mean, you know, selfishly, but, um, right. you know, I think uh, – you know, I, I think it'll be tough, yeah. man, uh, to be honest. No doubt, no doubt. Okay, let's, let, we'll get back on track here. All right, three down or four down front? Four down. Okay. All right, this is an important question going back from your, being your, your days as a GA and just a college coach in general. Uh, caffeine source of choice, coffee or energy drink? Oh, coach, coffee. And coffee, down, okay. No okay, all right. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, pre-game routine, or in your pre-game routine, are you superstitious with that or no? No, no. Not superstitious. Uh, I just try to okay. show up. Yeah, I try to show up and, and uh, not get cussed out and, <laughs> and win. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Now, this is from any, any of your time as a coach with your pre-game routine uh, as a coach. Uh, music or no music? Uh, you know what? As, as a coach, probably uh, it was no music. Okay. Um, all right. It, yeah, it, it was no music. Okay. All right, all right. Now you, you've you're from California. You live in Texas now. This is a hot. This is another controversial question here. Oh, okay, yeah. uh, in, oh, yeah, in and out sure. burger or water burger. Waterburger hands down. See that you not there you close. you totally redeemed yourself close. to 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 quote Dumb and Dumber. You, you just went and totally redeemed yourself with the Waterburger. Uh, now for those your, your your people who are in California, because we have a pretty good uh, contingent uh, in California who check out the podcast, enlighten them on why yeah. Waterburger is better than In and Out Burger. Because the specialty burgers and Waterburger are just way better. I don't I don't like I don't get how you can have. Uh, like a patty melt from Whataburger and still think that it did not even come yeah. close. So, yeah. like, to put this in perspective, Coach, when I lived out here the first time in 2015 for about eight or nine months, I literally, no lie, probably had Whataburger because it was my first time getting acquainted with it. Yeah. I had Whataburger maybe 50 or 60 times in those <laughs> nine months. I, I had In-N-Out twice, and I only paid for it once. Yeah. So one time I got it for free. Yeah. So... Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. Coach is not even close. And I, I do like In-N-Out Burger. You know, the animal style, that kind of stuff. I mean, I, but, but man, Water Burger, like right. you said, there's just so many more choices. And 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 man, I love the Jalapeno Burger. Um, and and when when at my at my previous job, uh, we always, you know, on away games, that's where we always stopped because every town in Texas 
you know, worth its salt. If it's it's a legitimate town, it's got a Whataburger in it. And uh, so we'd stop and, and, and get a Whataburger. And, man, it's it's uh, it's definitely something that, that if you haven't experienced and you don't live in Texas, you need to come and, and experience a Whataburger. So, naturally, I'm a very cheap person. If you talk to my wife, she'll tell you the same thing. Like, I'm a very, like, before coming out here the first time, any place I went, like, I'm dollar menuing it up, you know, trying to, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I just, yeah. That's all I eat. All that stuff. And Whataburger, I just... I just tell them take my money. Like, yeah, oh, that's I right. Yeah, for, right? like I don't care to take just just take my money. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and, yeah, no, it's uh. Well, and and when you're when you're a fast food company and you have you you can sell your own ketchup in grocery stores like they do they have spicy ketchup their actual ketchup you know then then you know you're you're, you're on to something okay um, exactly we'll get out of here on this one this this is your last question here okay game is on the line. All right, um, it's third and long. Uh, it's in a situation where you know the offense is throwing the ball. They got to put the ball in the air. Okay, you can use, you can have one of these guys uh, rushing the passer, and you got to pick one of them. Uh, Daniel Hunter, okay. who you've been talking about, you know, for the Vikings, or Aaron Donald, who you who you going with? God, that's tough, man. Saying it's gonna be Donald. Uh, I'm gonna pick Donald because I want the interior pressure right now. And saying how we're gonna be in a 50 front and a bear front, and we're gonna get man protection. He's you know he's gonna win and go and go get it and go win it for me. I would say the same thing, and really for the main reason. I'm sorry, the same reason because I mean you want that pressure, you want that pocket collapsing right now. You don't want him having a, the quarterback where he is have a chance to step up. You know, get get Donald in his face right now. At least get a hand up. Um, and you're you're right. If we can get him in a one on one situation, then that's going to be bad news for whoever's trying to block him. So I, I like that answer. I think most people would pick that because they don't know who Daniel Hunter is. But I think after this episode, they they, they will and they can go and check him out. Um, well, Coach, great stuff today and and i just think it was a you know really unique conversation and and i really appreciate what you're doing with the website and um all the services that you're that you're offering and then also just being able to have a a real conversation today and and hopefully this this uh can can lead to other conversations between coaches and just some open dialogue there and some understanding so coach thank you so much for doing this and, and coming on and talking with me i really appreciate it Coach, I, again, man, I, I really appreciate you having me on. I, re, I really appreciate you, uh, again, man, having this conversation. Uh, again, man, hopefully this is a blessing uh, for, for coaches out there. Uh, I know this has been a blessing to me uh, being able to be on here with you. So uh, thank you, Coach, man. I really appreciate you. Thanks again to Coach Lawson for coming on and talking with us today and being willing to have a difficult conversation with me. You know, I gained a, a lot from our discussion and appreciate his honesty and, and also his giving nature and all the things he's doing through his website to help out coaches and players uh, through that website. And, and just you know, appreciate his candid nature and, and uh, his patience with me. Uh, and, and so really enjoyed my conversation with Coach Lawson today. Once again, if you haven't checked out Get to the QB, once again, if you haven't checked out Get to the QB, you need to get on that. Coach Lawson's latest article details how he breaks down an offensive line's pass protection, which is what he talked about in our discussion today. But you can also read his report on New England's bear front, San Francisco's overload front, among a lot of other great things on there. Also, if you have some guys trying to get some looks at the next level, you can visit Get to the QB and submit their information or, or have them do it, and that information will be passed on to college coaches. And, and, and as Coach Lawson mentioned, that is a free service, so give that a look as well. Our quote of the day comes from legendary coach Chuck Noll, and it is, Champions are champions not because they do anything extraordinary, but because they do the ordinary things better than anyone else.
And that's a wrap for this episode of KYPD. Now, be sure to leave us a review and give us a five-star rating if you're liking what you're hearing. Also, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, next week, doing something a little bit different. Uh, I'll be on vacation with my family in Orange Beach, Alabama, so episode number 66 will be our second beach session episode, but also include video, which will be posted on our YouTube channel, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, it's going to be a shorter episode, no guests, just me. I have a really cool topic we're going to be talking about, going to be covering, uh, and there will be video included with that. So if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, you need to do that as well. We just posted a video about correcting bad first steps from your defensive lineman and, and some really simple drills to, that you can use and incorporate to fix that. And we'll be putting more and more content up that you'll want to check out. Uh, in the meantime, have a great week. Love God, love your neighbor. Coach your kids hard. And, of course, Coach Lawson, tell them what else they better do. Keep your pads down and get through TV.